Hey guys, it's Charles with the Barbershop Group Podcast. Hopefully everybody's having a great weekend and enjoying some of the content that we have for you. Um, you know, today I wanted to mention something that all of us are familiar with. We experience it probably in our homes, in our relationships, um, with uh, our lovers, friends, family members. We experience it at work. It's everywhere. It's it's pervasive, it seems. And uh, it's for a lot of us, it seems like there's no way to get around it. Today, I want to talk to you about the science of complaining. You know, it's funny. I was reading a book not too long ago talking about four cancers that impact working relationships, but they also impact, you know, personal romantic relationships. And maybe later on, I'll get a little bit more into that book. But uh, I was stuck on one particular aspect of what the author was saying. The author was saying that complaining is a type of cancer. That's right, a type of cancer. And I thought, wow, that's pretty heavy. And I went on to read and and be open to more of what the author was saying. And it's like, dude, I can see that. And I see how that becomes, um, becomes a problem. So today, again, it's the science of complaining. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of us have been around people who complained a lot, whether they were at work or at home. It seems like everything that came out of their mouths were complaints. But why do people complain? A lot of us, if we are, if you were like I was, where I just wanted to make peace with everybody and everything and, and kind of avoid some conflict at a certain point in my life. Um, you probably try to do everything that you could to just get away from the complaining as fast as you can. And then, trust me, I understand that. It's just because it's not even about avoiding confrontation and conflict. It's just that for a lot of us, uh, complaining really feels like a disease. It feels like somebody's just giving us their plague, <laughs> right? For lack of a better word, it, it can become an epidemic. Uh, but why? Just why do people do it? It's really not to torture other people with their negativity. I mean, I know sometimes it may seem like it, but when most of us, when most of us like indulge in moaning or groaning, the idea is to vent, obviously, you know, just to get some stuff off of our chest. Right. And by getting our emotions out there, uh, we think that it'll make us feel better. But science has a few things to say about that approach. Not only does expressing negativity tend not to make us feel better, um, it's also making other people feel worse. But a lot of other people don't necessarily say so, at least in the beginning of the week. When we are complaining to other people, a lot of people just kind of take it. And if you're on the receiving end of complaints if you're the observer you know what it feels like when somebody's complaining you don't say hey cut the crap it takes you a long time to get to cut the crap right Uh, what most humans tend to do is we tend to shut down we go away we try not to acknowledge the person we complain we complain to someone else about the original complainer and um, begins to make our lives worse So, you know, people don't break wind in elevators more than they have to. Venting anger 
is similar to emotional farting in a closed area. Now, let me say that again. Venting anger is like somebody farting in an enclosed area. It sounds like it's a great idea, but it's dead wrong. And you know it's dead wrong, right? Um, There's no good way, good rational way to explain venting, okay? Um, and, And so a lot of times we'll find ourselves in an environment where we know somebody is going to come into work angry and have a whole lot to say. And that person could be on vacation and somebody will still be worried about what the person's going to say when they come back from vacation because they're just a constant complainer and it can make your lives miserable. But you know, there's something to be said about venting about work. There's something about venting um, about work especially work frustrations, that makes us all angrier. That's right. Did you know that venting about work can actually make you angrier? You might call a friend and vent. You could punch a pillow or break a plate. (laughs) Or you could even record a rant on a website. Believe it or not, they have a website where you can vent. It's called rantrampage.com. You can look this stuff up. Unfortunately, you may be doing more harm than good. And research has found that venting actually makes anger worse. Now, according to Jeffrey Lohr, a psychology professor at the University of Arkansas, he says venting may make you feel different in a moment, but the change in the emotional state doesn't necessarily feel better. It may just feel less bad. Okay. It may just feel less bad. So for some people, complaining, they think complaining makes them feel good. I say that for some people, complaining actually feels like a drug. You know, to vent anger, when we are venting anger, we're expressing like an emotion. Uh, It's similar to, you know, it's similar to... Um, the, the, how do I put this? You know, just, it's a, it's a sly way of throwing a tantrum, right? It's a sly way of throwing a tantrum, um, but doing it in a way so that nobody calls it out. Nobody's going to say, Hey, look, you're really throwing a tantrum. Get over it. You know, deal with yourself. No, that's not what they're going to do. It's like, Oh, I'll just avoid this entirely. All right. You know, a lot of psychologists actually agree. Uh, There's a study done in 2013 called Anger on the Internet. (laughs) And uh, I think it was published in, let's see, 2013, uh, Cyber Psychology, Behavior and Social Networking. Right. There's a group of researchers that found that users of rant sites were more anger prone in general and more often to participate in negative negative behaviors such as verbal and physical fights, as well as reckless driving. So instead of them going to a website and having a solution brought forth, right, they actually continued uh, to get worse. And in some cases, they acted out physically harming other people. So just think about that for a minute. So anyway, complaining. Look, 
It's bad for your mood. It's bad for the mood of your friends. It's bad for the mood of your colleagues. But that's not all that's wrong with that negativity. It's also bad for your brain and your health. Now, I know that sounds strange, but there's this guy named Steve Parton, who he's an author and just a student of human nature. Right. And he explained how complaining not only alters the brain for worse, but also has serious negative repercussions for your mental health. You know, complaining, he says, complaining could actually kill us. Isn't that crazy? Just think about that for a minute. But here are three ways that he claims that complaining harms us. Now, there's something called synapses, and I'll explain it. You know, synapses that fire together, wire together, right? And so you're like, what in the world is that? This is one of the first lessons that neuroscience students learn. You know, throughout your brain, there's a collection of synapses separated by empty spaces caused or by an empty space called a synaptic cleft. Whenever you have a thought, one synapse fires a chemical across the cleft to another synapse. So it builds a bridge over which an electric signal can cross and just fires back and forth and it carries along its charge uh, any relevant information you're thinking about. So, you know, it's just it's sending this information every time you you have this thought. But here's the kicker. Every time this charge is triggered, the synapses grow closer together and they grow closer together in order to decrease the distance the electric charge has to travel. So these synapses are like, hey, wait a minute. I like the feeling. I like that charge that I just got when that person complained. Wow, let's do it again. Let's get more of it. And the way to get more of it is to move closer together. (laughs) The brain is actually rewiring its own circuitry. It's physically changing itself to make it easier for the synapses to share the chemical link and that spark. You see, so it becomes easier to get triggered. Isn't that amazing? So now we're talking about what's it called? They refer to it as metacognition. Thinking about what you think about. Okay. So you have a thought and then you have a thought again. And then you have a thought about that. And you do it over and over and over again. And that's not good news for people who are always gloomy. But it gets a little worse. Not only do repeated negative thoughts make it easier to think yet more negative thoughts. They also make it more likely that negative thoughts will occur to you just randomly walking down the street. You know, so you can actually drum up something bad in your own mind by complaining or by thinking about something negative all the time. But I think we've heard people say that before. But a lot of people doubt it. You know, my grandmother used to say to me all the time, she would say, if you look for the devil, you'll find him. And I thought, you know, as a kid, that was a pretty weird saying. I was like, what kind of Christianity or Christian, you know, what type of thing is this? But now that I look back on it beyond the biblical language and and, and the, the religious 
aspect. I look at the psychological aspect of it. And you know, she's got a point there too. When your brain looks for something bad to happen, you're going to find something bad happening. You know, one of the things that we can think about is, say for instance, you've ever been out to a restaurant. You went and got something to eat and they messed up your order. Or something was off about the restaurant when you walked in. And as soon as you recognize that one thing that struck you as odd, then what happens? You begin to recognize another thing that strikes you as odd. Or if they messed up on a person's meal across the room and you happen to recognize that, then you start scrutinizing your own meal, right? This is kind of how things go. If we have one negative interaction with a person, then for the most part, many of us, well, we brace ourselves for the next negative interaction with that person. And sometimes it could be even a different person, right? So you had a negative interaction with a person at work and then you've got to stop off at the grocery store and you have an interaction with somebody at the grocery store. And because you're already looking for the negative, it tends to look like something negative to you all over again. But it's also about the people you hang out with. Not only does hanging out with your own negative thoughts rewire your brain, but hanging out with negative people does the same thing. When we see somebody experiencing an emotion, you know, it's sadness, happiness, anger, whatever it may be, our brain tries out the same emotion to imagine what the other person is going through. And it does this by attempting to fire the same synapses in your brain so that you can attempt to relate to the emotion you're observing. So this is really empathy. It's how we get the mob mentality, though. It's our shared bliss, if you will. Right. And that's really what it is. So when you think about it that way, empathy isn't bad. Empathy is a good thing. However, too much empathy can become a drug for the brain. And that's how you come up with people who are experiencing codependent behavior. Right. Codependent behavior is kind of like a drug. These are people who are looking for a feeling. You know, there are a lot of people out there who are familiar with the phrase that says, you know, you can seduce someone with your suffering. Well, and that's because of the synapses in the brain. The synapses in the brain looks to make the connection. The synapses in the brain looks to make the connection. So. The takeaway lesson, if you want to strengthen your capacity for positive and positivity and weaken your reflex <laughs> for gloom is to surround yourself with generally happy people. Now, doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you don't have negative thoughts, negative feelings, negative emotions or friends that experience that. What it means is that you don't spend time relishing in those thoughts or being around those people so much that it changes your brain wiring. So lastly, we know stress is terrible for our bodies. All of which sounds like a good, good argument, right? You know, you stay away from negativity. You protect your mental health. When your brain is firing off these synapses of anger, 
you actually weaken your immune system. And there's a lot of studies, there's a lot of research that's been done about how anger changes not just the immune system, but how it changes the way organs actually operate in your body. And that's pretty crazy. But make it really simple. You ever notice when you experience different emotions, your body has a response, right? You're nervous. Sometimes maybe you sweat on your nose, palms get sweaty. All of these types of things happen. Well, internally, your organs go through changes too. That's why some people experience certain emotions and all of a sudden they say, you know what? I lost my appetite. I can't eat. Okay? It's all connected. The human body is an amazing work of art. So, when your brain is firing off the synapses of anger, you're weakening your immune system as well as your other organs. Okay? You're raising your blood pressure. You increase your risk of heart disease, obesity, diabetes, all those types of things. Right? And the culprit, a lot of times, is this thing called cortisol. When you're negative, you release it. And elevated levels of other stuff goes up. They interfere with learning. They interfere with your memory. Lower immune functioning. Bone density. It can even increase weight gain. Right? Did I say blood pressure? That's a biggie. The list goes on and on. So, really, truthfully, guys, even though it sounds like it's brand new, it's not. All right? We don't want to spend a lot of time complaining. We don't need to spend a lot of time around people who are complainers because not only are they making themselves sick, they're making us sick. So I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about the science of complaining and what that does to the body. Okay, because I think that a lot of people say, okay, you know, you've got phrases out there. Don't hate. And and a lot of people want to be positive. And now don't get me wrong. There is a thing of being like way too positive that where you don't accept uh, the reality of things. It could be sadness. Where you, There are people out there who promote versions of positivity that don't allow us to accept all of our emotions. Yeah, yeah. And I'm saying, accept all of your emotions. That's okay. That's fine. Okay? But don't allow yourself or don't allow any of your emotions to make you sick. And don't allow complaining... Right. This emotional vomit or this this elevator fart. (laughs) Right. To impact your life so much. Okay, this is one of the ways that we try to optimize our health. I thought that it was um, a a great experience for me to um, to go to that seminar, learning more about just how complaining uh, operates. Again, I'll talk about the book and the four cancers uh, after I finish the book. Um, because I think that they're really, really important. And there's some things that we do every day and we don't even realize it. We do it with our families and everybody else. So until next time, guys, be well. Listen, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at thebarbershopgroup.org. You can also follow our regular daily news um, on our paper lease site. Uh, but just by going to our Facebook page, we publish it every day at the same time every day. And we've got tons of articles talking about men's health and wellness there. All right. Also, um, if you are in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, know that we are putting on a workshop uh, just north of Charlotte, North Carolina. 
uh, about, um, I'm going to say about 20 minutes, 30 minutes north of Charlotte, North Carolina. And you will spend time with myself and Dr. Damon A. Silas, who's a licensed clinical therapist out there. And we will delve into some real thorny issues for men and do a lot of group work with each other. Very holistic environment. You guys will find that uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Silas is an amazing guy, has had some just wonderful experiences, some some amazing opportunities, a lot of growth in his life and and he's also dealt with a lot of tragedy and he's very relatable so uh again if you are in the charlotte north carolina area that workshop will be held on august 24 you can go to the website and sign up for it Uh, it's a great deal and we love to see you come out um, and we love to meet you okay we always like to know who our supporters are Uh, Speaking of supporters, guys, you're listening to this podcast. And did you know that you are able to subscribe? You're able to subscribe right in your app and donate to the barbershop group right from your app. You don't have to leave to go to a different website or anything like that. You can hit donate or support this podcast on your app and uh, you can contribute to uh, to the production of the show and to the organization as we try to reach out to more men. So, having said that, we hope that you all have a great weekend and uh, we'll talk to you soon.